and welcome to Season 3 of Wait a Week Mystery. This is your host and author, J.C. Bodden. In this week's podcast, I'll be reading to you the next chapter from my novel, Not on My Watch, which is the third book in the Devlin O'Quinn mystery series. If you like what you hear and can't seem to wait a week for the next chapter, Not on My Watch, as well as the other three books in the series, is available in both Kindle and paperback format from Amazon. If you are interested in ordering any of my books, please visit my website, jcbodden.com. You can find the link to my website in the podcast info. Now, let's not wait any longer. Here we go with episode 307, Not on My Watch, Chapter 7. Under the circumstances, it was strange that Elliot found it easier to be around Devlin now that he was a client. After they spoke on the phone, she made arrangements to go to Auburn that day. She and Lynn got there mid-afternoon. The mess in Devlin's office had been cleaned up, and things looked on the surface to be fairly normal. As they were escorted through the station, Elliot was keenly aware of the sidelong looks from cops and detectives they passed. As instructed, Teresa let them in as soon as they arrived at the chief's office, not even bothering to knock. "'So tell me what's going on,' Elliot said as soon as she and Lynn settled into the chairs across from his desk. Devlin stared at Elliot a moment, his green eyes naked with anger. In a steady monotone, he began. We solved Connor's kidnapping. The suspect was a man by the name of Bobby Earl Davenport. We had fingerprint matches, witnesses, everything we needed. When I left here last night, we had a warrant out for his arrest. He was homeless, so we weren't quite sure where to find him. This morning, two uniforms were responding to a call about a vagrant on a park bench at the city park. It was Davenport, a gunshot wound to the chest, which caused him to bleed to death. The time of death is approximately 1 a.m., but that means that he was shot sometime before that, probably between 11 and 12.30. They pulled a slug out of his body. It's an apparent match to my service weapon. We have no witnesses. The mayor has already called. She wants me to take a leave of absence. I'm surprised you didn't ask me to arrest myself. The FBI has also called. They are launching their own investigation. You saw the press already gathering outside. Devlin stood up and paced once around his office. I know it doesn't really matter to you, but I want you to know that I didn't do this. You may not believe me after what I told you the first time I tried to hire you, but it's the truth. It's important to me that you hear me say that. Elliot cleared her throat and glanced at Lynn. Let's just stick to the facts of this particular case. Lynn is making notes for me, if that's okay. Devlin nodded curtly. What time did you leave here last night? Eight. Okay, eight. What did you do? I went home. Did you go straight home, or did you stop for gas or something to eat? I went straight home. So that means you got home at what time? Around 8.30. What did you do then? I called my girlfriend. She didn't answer. I left a message on her answering machine. Elliot's head snapped up, her face reddening. Lynn paused in her writing. Devlin, Elliot began. He held up his hand to interrupt her. Let's just stick to the facts of this particular case, he said, his anger dangerously close to the surface. Lynn stood up. Maybe I should go get some coffee. That was all it took. Devlin's anger bubbled over. He stepped around the desk and jabbed his finger toward Lynn's chair. Stay right there, he barked. My secretary will get us some damn coffee. He jerked open the door to his office. Teresa, get some coffee in here. Lynn sat back down, 
looking at Elliot with wide eyes. Devlin, Elliot started again. I want to help you, I really do. But we're going to have to... She glanced at Lynn, who was now intently looking at her notepad. We're going to have to put some other issues on hold for me to be able to do that, okay? Devlin stared at her for several moments. He wasn't sure what he was angrier about, the fact that she had been ignoring his phone calls or the fact that it bothered him as much as it did. He noticed with a small amount of satisfaction that she managed to hold his gaze only briefly before she looked away. The muscle in his jaw worked as he pulled himself back under control. Teresa came in with a tray of three coffee mugs. He looked at her and smiled, but his eyes were still hard. Thank you, Teresa. She knew he'd tried to say it kindly. Sure, boss, she said. She glanced from Devlin to Elliot and Lynn. Anything else? No, thanks. We're good for now. His voice had nearly returned to normal. He took a mug from the tray and walked back to his chair. He plopped in it and leaned over to put the coffee on the desk in front of him. Okay, Elliot. Truce. He noticed a faint smile across her lips. He hoped it didn't mean she thought she had won. He knew she hadn't. Okay, so you called me and left a message. A message, by the way, which I still have on my machine. It doesn't really provide you with any kind of alibi, but it gives credence to your story. All right, so after that phone call, what did you do? I went running. Running? Yes, for exercise. How long did you run? I don't know exactly. A couple of hours, I guess. Where did you go? My usual route, out to the state park and back. Did anyone see you? Yeah, I passed plenty of cars on the road. Some of them probably recognized me. After all, my picture's been in the paper. I'm apparently no longer this town's most eligible bachelor. Elliot sighed. Devlin, she said again, a tone of pleading in her voice. He squinted at her, his smoky green eyes still full of pain and anger. Then he shrugged. Yeah, okay, sorry. But when this is all over, you're going to have some explaining to do. Elliot looked down at her shoes. Yes, Devlin, I know. I will. She took a deep breath and looked back up at him. He thought he saw a tear in her eye. She shook her head, cleared her throat, and continued. Did anyone else see you? Mac McTaggart, the park ranger, he was checking in some campers when I went by. When you run, do you take anything with you? Nothing but my house key. Okay, so you ran for a couple of hours, so that puts us up to what time, Lynn? Approximately 10.30. Wow, 10.30, that late, huh? You ran in the dark? Yes, last night was a full moon. It wasn't that dark. Okay, then what? I warmed up some leftovers, watched the late news, went to bed. Alone. She glanced at him, but didn't rise to the bait this time. Now his eyes looked more sad than angry. And no one else saw you at any time? No. Did you make any other phone calls, Jenny or Roger? No. And you never left your house after your run? Not until this morning. And there was nothing missing when you got back to your house after your run? Your gun was where it should have been? No one had been in the house? Everything was just like it should have been, just like I left it. All right. Is there anything else you can think of that I need to know about at this point? No, that's it, besides the fact that I didn't kill that man. Elliot smiled grimly. Of course you didn't, Devlin, but whoever did is setting you up. Mike Tigan, the FBI agent who just weeks ago had awarded Devlin his commendation, and more recently had assisted the Auburn police with the investigation into Connor's kidnapping, was in charge of Devlin's interrogation. Elliot sat with him through the questioning. 
Roger was there, too, although he said nothing. The three of them sat on one side of the table, Tygen opposite them, in the interview room at the police station. Tygen's questions were remarkably similar to Elliot's, except that he asked them over and over again. Devlin was exceedingly calm throughout it all. He knew that the game was to try to trip the suspect up, to try to catch him in a lie by confusing him with his own story. Since he wasn't lying, he wasn't worried about being tripped up. When Tygen left, Roger jumped to his feet. Damn, Dev, he didn't have to treat you like that. Like what, Roger, he asked, his voice hoarse from talking. Like I'm the only suspect in a murder investigation? How the hell would you treat me? Roger scrubbed his hands across his face. But, Dev, he knows you. He's worked with you. Exactly. He's just doing his job, Roger. The evidence is hard to explain. When you found out about the bullet, you offered to throw my gun in the river. Roger sat back down. Dev, I didn't really think that... Devlin smiled and patted his friend on the back. I know, man. It's okay. I'm just saying. You swing at the pitch you get, you know? Okay, Dev, as long as we're straight. Devlin just nodded. Roger stood back up and paced around the room. Good. Now what, Chief? Devlin looked from Roger to Elliot and back to Roger. Now we find out who the hell really shot Bobby Earl Davenport. Teresa met the three of them at her office door. The mayor is on her way over here, she said, her dark eyes flashing. She wants to talk to you, boss. Okay, thank you, Teresa. Devlin smiled and squeezed her arm. Everything is going to be okay, but it's going to be a little bumpy around here for a while. She looked at him intently and lowered her voice so that only he could hear. I'm with you all the way, boss. I want you to know that. It didn't take long for the mayor to appear in Teresa's office. She knocked on Devlin's door and then stood aside as Devlin opened it and let Bunny Ryan in. Hello, Devlin, Detective Dubose. She shook each man's hand. Then she turned to Elliot, who was standing beside Devlin's desk. I'm Bunny Ryan. Devlin couldn't help noticing the faintest rise in her voice and a slight hesitation to shake Elliot's hand. Elliot Kingfisher. Devlin looked closely at Elliot. Her face registered some secret emotion, too. He just wasn't quite sure what it was. He filed this information away for later, later consideration. And this is my sister, Lynn Kingfisher. Bunny Ryan, how do you do? The two of them shook hands. Aside from a slight smile, there was no reaction from either of them. Devlin spoke up. I have retained Miss Kingfisher as my personal attorney. Please, Mayor Ryan, have a seat. Maybe we need some more chairs. Teresa? No, no, Devlin, that won't be necessary, Bunny interrupted him. I don't think this will take long. She paused for a moment and then pulled a piece of paper from a folder she held. Chief O'Quinn, it's probably a good thing that you have hired outside counsel to be with you at this time. I have here a formal request for you to take a leave of absence, pending the outcome of this investigation. She held out the letter to Devlin, but he made no move to take it. He stood stock still instead, his hands in his pockets, his stony gaze never leaving the mayor's face. After a moment, Elliot reached over and took the letter. Yes, yes, please have a look, Miss Kingfisher. I'm sure you will find that everything is in order. She nervously smoothed her hands over her hair. Mayor Ryan, Elliot began, I must say that I think you're jumping the gun, if you will pardon an ironic turn of phrase, with this request. My client has not been charged with a crime, either by this department or by the FBI. This is very premature. Devlin held up his hand, cutting her off, his eyes still firmly fixed on the mayor. It's okay, Elliot. I expected this. It will be much more politically expedient, shall we say, for me to take a leave of absence now. Isn't that right, Bunny? 
The mayor cleared her throat. This has nothing to do with politics, Chief O'Quinn, she began. The hell it doesn't, exclaimed Roger. Everyone turned and looked at him. Everything this woman does has to do with politics. The mayor cleared her throat again. To Devlin, she said, Regardless of what Miss Kingfisher and Detective Dubose think, you know, Chief, that it's in the best interest of this city, and especially in this department. You can't very well expect the detectives here to investigate their own boss, can you, Chief O'Quinn? You know this is the right thing to do. Please don't fight me on this. We're not investigating our boss, Roger insisted. We're investigating a murder. A murder Devlin had nothing to do with. Devlin walked over and looked out his office window, down to the press trucks lining the street below. After a minute, he pulled his shield off his belt and laid it on his desk. He pulled his keys out of his pocket and took the cruiser key off the ring, laying it on the desk beside his shield. Make Roger DuBose acting chief, he said, quietly. Hell no, I'm not doing your job for you, Devlin, Roger protested. You should be doing it. Devlin looked at his friend. Please, Roger. Roger looked down at his shoes, rubbing the back of his neck. When he looked up, he took a step toward the mayor, pointing his finger in her face. You should know that if I'm the acting chief of this department, we will not rest until we have solved this case. The mayor held out her hand to Roger. That's exactly what I expect you to do. After the mayor left, Devlin pulled his jacket off the coat rack, took his radio off his belt and placed it in the charger, and then shook Roger's hand. It's going to be okay, Rog. You'll have to trust me. You're the best man for the job. Roger pulled Devlin into an embrace, thumping him hard on the back. You're the best man for the job, Dev. In Teresa's office, she stood on tiptoe and hugged Devlin fiercely. Remember, I'm on your side, boss, she whispered in his ear. Then she slipped a chain around his neck. It's a St. Michael medal, she said, as she wiped a tear from her face. It was my own dear papa's. Devlin smiled gently at her, fingering the medallion on its silver chain. I can't take this, Teresa. You better take it, she chided him. St. Michael is the patron saint of cops. He'll watch over you. So will Papa. He was a cop his whole life. His name and birthday are engraved on the back. She fingered the medal fondly, then patted Devlin's cheek. But this was your father's. She stepped back, squinting up at him. Don't insult me, boss. Take it. Devlin leaned forward and kissed her gently on the cheek. Thank you, he whispered into her ear. As he walked through the detective room with Lynn and Elliot following, every person stopped what they were doing and stood at attention, each saluting as he passed. He saluted in return and then smiled and shook each one's hand. He spoke quietly to each of them as he went, hugging many. Elliot followed him, a few steps behind, feeling as if her heart would break. Lynn reached over and quietly took her hand. Downstairs in the patrol room, the scene was much the same, except for the fact that these guys were much more vocal. Most of the remarks centered on how quickly they were going to catch the guilty son of a bitch that set up their chief. It was so emotionally intense that it was actually a relief to walk out of the building. The relief was short-lived, however. As soon as the press realized that Chief O'Quinn was in their midst, they surrounded him, shouting questions, urging him to make a statement. Elliot pushed her way to his side and spoke in his ear. It'll probably be better if you say something. He looked at her and she saw the pain in his eyes. She nodded encouragingly, slipped her hand in his, and squeezed his fingers. He stood on the steps for a moment and then held up his other hand. It took a moment or two for the jostling to stop, but when it did, he took a deep breath and started. His voice was steady, but not very loud. The reporters leaned closer. The man, who was a suspect in the kidnapping of my grandson, was found dead of a gunshot wound this morning. Apparently, the bullet that killed him came from my gun. 
I don't know how it happened. I didn't have anything to do with it. He paused and the jostling started again. Reporters began to yell questions. He held up his hand again, waiting for silence to return. I have been questioned but not charged. I have taken a leave of absence as chief of police until this matter can be resolved. That's all for now. The pushing and shoving started in earnest now. Reporters shoved microphones in his face, cameras flashed, everyone pressed in closer and closer as their tiny group moved down the steps. Devlin lowered his shoulder and led the way to Elliot's car in the parking lot. After a few steps, the reporters turned away from Devlin and the women. Devlin looked over his shoulder and realized Mayor Ryan had come out of the building behind them. Standing beside her was Mike Tigan of the FBI. The two of them were busy making their statements to the press. It looks like Detective DuBose is right. Everything that woman does is about politics, Lynn said sarcastically. Devlin just nodded without comment. Elliot rolled her eyes. Elliot, Devlin said, his voice leaden. Are y'all going back to Montgomery tonight? Elliot smiled and touched his arm. No, Devlin, we've got a reservation at the heart of Auburn Inn. I think we'll go check in now. Why don't you drive us over there, and then I'll let you use my car. Devlin pushed his hands into his pockets and shrugged his shoulders. Well, I do have a personal vehicle. I know, but it's out at your house, right? He just nodded. The change in his body language was dramatic. He no longer looked the strong, confident man she had seen all afternoon, the man she had fallen in love with. His shoulders were hunched forward, face guarded, eyes bleak. She knew he had just taken an emotional beating. She knew he needed her. She just wasn't sure what she could do. Still, she knew she had to try. So why don't you just come on with us? Okay, yeah, I guess. In the lobby of the inn, the television was turned to the news channel, where the scandalous story of Devlin O'Quinn was being discussed. When they walked across the room, heads turned, fingers pointed, people whispered. Elliot and Lynn went to the front desk to check in. Devlin followed them, his hands in his pockets, his eyes on the floor. The night manager saw Devlin and stepped around to the front of the desk, extending his hand. Chief O'Quinn, I just want you to know that you have my support, he said as he shook Devlin's hand. A couple of years ago, you solved my sister's murder. His voice broke off. Devlin nodded as his face brightened slightly. Right, I remember. Kelly Sullivan, the first victim of the hitchhiker hits. You're Marty. Your youngest brother, Justin, is one of my rookies. That's right, Chief. The man grinned and pumped Devlin's hand again. Anyway, I've always known you were a stand-up guy. Justin says you're the best. None of this bullshit today changes that. Well, thank you, Marty. It means a lot, really. And thank you for saying it. Are you checking in? Marty asked. No, this is my attorney and her assistant. They're from Montgomery. They're taking a room here while this mess gets sorted out. Marty waved his hand at the clerk behind the desk. Let me take care of that, Jonathan. He stepped around and tapped some information into the computer. Here you are, ladies, he said as he handed them their room keys. Please enjoy your stay and let me know personally if there's anything I can do to make it more productive. Devlin helped the women carry their suitcases and laptops up to the room. They were surprised when they went inside that the room was actually a suite, two bedrooms, each with its own bath, on either side of a common living area, complete with a small kitchen. Elliot raised her eyebrow and looked at Devlin. I guess your friend the manager gave us an upgrade. Devlin smiled grimly. You treat people right, they'll treat you right. They turned on the lights and got everything sorted into their rooms. Lynn smiled. Well, if y'all will excuse me, I think I'll go take a shower. I've got a paper due Monday. Let me know if you want to order room service or something, okay, Elliot? Sounds like a plan, sis.
Then, Devlin said with a slight smile as he touched her arm, I want to apologize for the way I spoke to you earlier. I don't usually bark at people like that. I was upset. Don't worry about it, Chief, she patted his hand. You have every right to be upset as far as I'm concerned. She looked pointedly at her sister. Elliot and I are here to help you get this straightened out, she said with a gentle smile before she closed her bedroom door. In a moment, they could hear the television and then the water running. Devlin turned to Elliot. The look of pain in his eyes was still there. I've got to go talk to Jenny, he said quietly. Do you want me to go with you? She stepped to him and touched his arm. No, thanks. It'll be easier if I just go by myself. It's going to be okay, Devlin, really. He sighed and pulled her to him. Her body matched his exactly, like two sides of the same coin. He ached with desire for her. He ran his fingers through her long hair, tugging at the elastic loop holding the low ponytail at the base of her skull. He nuzzled her neck, breathing in her scent. He pictured himself taking her into the bedroom and making love to her right then and there. Maybe that would make all the rest of this go away. Elliot stood very still, her arms at her sides, neither resisting nor responding. He looked into her deep brown eyes and saw only pain and sadness. I'm confused, he admitted. She assumed he was talking about the investigation. We're going to figure this out. Someone is setting you up, that's all. We'll get to the bottom of it. That's not what I'm confused about, Elliot, he said gruffly, wondering why she was being so dense. She blushed and pulled away from him. Devlin, you need to go see your family now. We'll talk later. He stood there, looking at her, the longing written all over his face. It broke her heart. He took her hand and pulled her back into his arms. I miss you, Elliot. We talked so much. Now we don't talk at all. I thought we were... She smiled slowly into his eyes as a single tear ran down her cheek. Then she kissed him softly, just brushing his lips with hers. It will all be okay, Devlin. Give me time. I'll come around. I promise. He smiled wistfully with the memory of the words he had said to her after their first kiss. Okay, well, now that's something, his voice soft. I guess I'll have to wait then, huh? She smiled as she straightened his tie. Go talk to Jenny. We'll figure the rest of this out later. That concludes this week's chapter of Not On My Watch. Thanks so very much for listening. To find out what happens next, please come back for episode 308 of Wait A Week Mystery or visit jcbodden.com to order the book. Either way, I hope your wait is a happy one. <laughs>